Welcome back to the official Leeds United podcast with me, Emma Jones, Matt Lewis and Jermaine Beckford. Matt, are you back off your holidays now? I am, yeah, yeah, I'm back at home. Um, and uh, Florida's a little bit cold at the minute, which is why I've got this uh, little throwback jumper on here. What temperature are we talking? What's cold over there? And don't wind us up. This is the funny thing, right? So, no, because it was it was about, it got down to about like five, six degrees yesterday. And so the, 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 the State Department sent out like, all of these warnings to everyone, like these big, like f- how to deal with the frozen temperatures, like these what? warnings, bring all your plants in, be careful with your animals outside. It's like five degrees. They're taking a mick. For those of you that can see Jermaine on YouTube, he took note, didn't he? Because look at the size of that plant behind him. Yeah, he's brought that in. <laughs> exactly. Jermaine, I'm going to come to you in a minute, but Matt, before we um, crack on, you look like Neville Longbottom all over again. Now you've completely shaved everything off. Yeah. Every time I have a shave, you say this to me. Like, this is why I don't shave. Because <laughs> <laughs> I look about 12. I was going to say, you do. You look about 15 years younger. That's I a know, good thing, is it I not? Know. Are you not happy with that? No, I just, I just no, I don't like it. I've, I've, I, I never, ever shave. I just, I shaved because I was doing a bit of work over the weekend, so I had no choice but to do it. Um, I don't like how uh, how young it makes me look. What are you doing? I was just just I'm always sending tapes in all the time. You know how it is, Bex. We're always sending as audition tapes. I know. In. I know exactly what you mean, mate. I, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of which, we, yeah, uh... I think you do know what he means, actually, Bex, because we had an intriguing tweet sent in from Michael Hole, who said, "Just blinked and almost missed Jermaine in the DFS ad." Fill us in on that. Almost. Bex. Well, look, many fingers, many pies. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell us what you were doing in the DFS ad. Chilling out on a sofa with my kid. What do you want me to say? Did they make you shave? Uh, no, my missus did. No, no. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> do you know what? I'm always intrigued with stuff like that. How long does it take to shoot an advert like that? How long were you there for? Um, do you know what? We were there for maybe about seven or eight hours. Um, but in terms of our, our total shoot time, I don't think we're talking about any more than about 30, 35 minutes, genuinely. Right. And it's it was it was almost in one whole shot. And and it was like, right, guys, thank you so much for coming. See you later. And we I, I thought on the train on the way back, I was thinking, I don't actually think we're gonna be featured because we didn't do anywhere near <laughs> enough. Uh and lo and behold, we got uh you know, a fraction of a second. So absolutely buzzing. <laughs> Did you get cash or a free sofa? Cash is illegal. Well, I, no, I didn't mean cash in hand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean kind did of you get paid you or did you get a free sofa? I need to know which one it was. A dirty brown envelope under the table and that. No, Matthew, we don't Maybe roll like that, both. okay? Everything oh. is above board. It's all kosher. <laughs> no, we got, we got paid um, legitimately, Okay. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't trying to see if you were doing a tax dodge, Bex. I just wanted to know. That's what it feels they, like. That's what it if feels they, like. If they, if they gave you a fee or if, if they paid you in, in, in half-price sofas. I would have taken a half-price sofa. I would have taken a half-price sofa. I'm actually in the middle of um, trying to convert. We've got stables that are a little bit derelict. I, I say a little bit. They are derelict. And I'm trying to convert it all on a sly, obviously not on a, on a secret anymore because my missus probably listens to the podcast. I'm not entirely sure if she does. If she doesn't, does it bother me? No, not really. So <laughs> what I'm trying to do is organize 
a, a, a space where I'm allowed to do literally whatever I want within that. I, I've got this house and I'm not allowed to do anything from the house or with the mm. house. So I'm going to do it over there. So that's my space. And next week's counselling session, Jermaine Bedford, we can, <laughs> we can delve further into the intricacies of your relationship with your partner in your yes. house. Yes, and yes, if, we if could. anyone from HMRC are listening, I just want to say, you know, all of our accounts are above board and proper. And uh, I really, really could do without being audited right now. So uh, <laughs> please disregard any cash in hand conversation that Bex, I don't, I don't even know what that means. So... Um, <laughs> Oh my God. Where's the football? Where's the sports? All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Oh. I've got tears in we'll, my eyes. We'll, we'll move on. Um, because loads of you have been in touch off the back of our interview with Michael Bridges, which was great fun. Feels like forever ago now that I've done it, boys, but it was great. Um, regular yeah. listener, Mike Gore, he approved. He tweeted to say, a nice walk with the LUFC pod. Great to hear Mickey Bridges talking about his career. Spine tingling and so much bad luck. Definitely a great guy mm. and gave us some great memories. Adam Cook's been in touch as well. He says, cracking pod this week from LUFC. Mickey Bridges was brilliant and hearing how he coaches with mental health at the forefront of his game was amazing. I think that's what really stuck with us in it, boys, when he was talking about how he uses his experience in coaching uh, and how he can he can spot things and observe things. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's... I mean, I suppose that's the whole point when people say when when players are going to become coaches, you know, not everyone's cut out for it. But if if you've had a particularly uh, difficult road, you know, to becoming a professional, I think that probably sets you up a little bit better. And if you think either how people helped you through it or how people didn't help you through it, and then you do the opposite, I suppose. And, and it seems like that Michael had had experience in in across the, across the spectrum with with stuff like that. So I couldn't think of a better bloke to be particularly a man manager for sure. Yeah, he spoke wonderfully about it. Angie Broccoli tweeted in as well to say she was enjoying tucking into a pack of McCoys. I think we all wanted a pack of McCoys, <laughs> didn't we? After we were talking about them. Uh, we hope yeah. you enjoyed them, Angie. And finally, Alex Smith. This is one for you, this Bex. Alex Smith tweeted in to say, Hiya, LUFC pod. I was wondering if you could help me out. I was meant to attend the Forward Leeds event last year that Jermaine attended. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it and was hoping to get his autograph so I could get it tattooed. Could you help me? So, Bex, are you happy to send Alex an autograph so that they can get them tattooed? Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, that's, um, that's uh, a lot of pressure. Does that make you nervous? It makes me very nervous. So what I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to practice my autograph yeah. and make sure it's perfect. <laughs> no squiggly lines. Everything's got to be absolutely spot on. Um because if it's going to be on somebody's body, I, I do want it to to look the dogs uh, bits and bobs. <laughs> Don't send him a <laughs> fake here or like that. No, yeah, of course yeah. not. Of course not. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. Have you ever been, <laughs> Matt, have you ever been a tattoo? You definitely must have. He definitely must have. Yeah, um, mostly, um, yeah, signatures. I've had a few, a few signatures have been made tattoos, and I get quite. What about your I face, quite, though? Yeah, I, I, I think, I think I have seen a couple before. Yes, no, actually, I saw one recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was one of. Um, uh, can you, can you see that? That uh, someone had that. Someone had that tattooed on their, on their calf. Wow, which was wow. Uh, pretty intense. On your calf as well, which is a place. Were they in America? When did you get it done, Matt? No, so uh, no, I think they were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, I think uh, no, I think it was in Eastern Europe somewhere. I think it was like the Czech, Czech Republic or, okay. or, or 
or Bulgaria or something, I think. Yeah, that's I pretty bold to have it on your calf because you can't always Isn't cover it? that. So they're really, yeah. they're really proud of that, aren't they? Well, yeah. Uh, right, so, of course, right. <laughs> so, what about you, Em? Unfortunately, I've never been a tattoo, boys. As far that as I'm aware, anyway. Yeah. yeah so unless of. someone's going to yeah. come forward and tell me I am, Matty, show I don't your think cough. I am. Yeah, you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Dedication to the official Leeds United podcast. That in it. It's just got all of us tattooed across him. <laughs> um, now we are going to be joined by a special guest in a minute, boys. But before that, I know I'm going off track a little bit. But if you were to have one person tattooed on you, who would it be? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Outside of family um, and friends, like so, someone like your your legend, your hero, who you know you would go out and about with that tattoo on you, and have people ask you why have you got that, and you'd have a reasonable explanation for it. It would it would have to be something completely absurd, like it would like do you know um, in Impractical Jokers where they they made Sal get that tattoo of Jaden Smith? Yeah. Oh like, my on, on god, that was hilarious. <laughs> like, by the way, it would have to be something like that. It would have to be utterly, utterly ridiculous. <laughs> Jermaine, who's oh. would your who who do you think your tattoo would be of? I really don't know. I'd get Barack Obama, I think. You look at people like <laughs> yeah. like Barack Obama, you look at Muhammad Ali, you look at people like that. But if I wanted to get anything done, I would have had it done already. So I don't think I would. Mm. If I was gonna do a genuine one, I'd probably get like do you know what I quite like that um do you remember that self portrait that John Lennon did? The with the yeah, I mean, you might not. Yeah, that it, was nice. Just like his really hair nice. and his glasses. I might do something like that. I don't think I'd get an actual person's face. I think that'd be a bit. But that's not the question. That wasn't the question. But it's a person, no, though, isn't it? Get I mean, yourself. No, yeah. no, not my self-portrait. It would be the John Lennon one. One, yeah, where you yeah, can't yeah, yeah. see that. It's not yeah. like full face. It's not like all the intricate details. Well, we'll throw it out to you, the listeners. Who do you think Matt and Jermaine should get tattooed on them? <laughs> <laughs> Let us know using the hashtag LUFCPods. Right. I'm delighted now to welcome to the podcast one of your former teammates, Jermaine. Mm. Michael Doyle joins us. Now, Michael spent a year on loan at Leeds during the dark, but ultimately successful League One days of 2009 to 10, becoming a cult hero as he helped the side, including Ubex, to promotion that year. So, very warm. Welcome, Michael Doyle. How's it going, lads? You okay? We were actually talking about tattoos, Michael. Would you, would you ever get a person's face tattooed on your body? No, I've no tattoos at all. I've never, uh, I've never, never really interested me. Not like Bex here. He was full of them, weren't you? <laughs> I got a few, mate. I'm trying to get them off. <laughs> yeah, there you go. If you had to get someone, anyone, famous or otherwise, tattooed about your person. Uh, I, I appreciate this is quite an intense first question, but what, yeah. who, who would you get? I'm trying to think here straight away. Um, it can be ironic, Michael, if you want it to be. Yeah. Bex, want, Bex wanted uh, Bill Kenwright, but um, they... Uh, <laughs> what? Now, what they're all the money you gave them, so yeah, I can see why. <laughs> that wasn't the best one. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I've never really... Uh, bloody hell, that's a bit on the spot. Who, who would I like to get? Um... I'll tell you what, Michael, we'll we'll crack on, and then at the end, we'll, it'll give you a chance to think, and we'll we'll come back to that, because it is a pressing Hold on, answer. hold on. Em, who would you get? Because you, you, yeah, you very, very sneakily slid away from that question there. I'll also have a think about it, and then me and Michael will reveal. I'm making a note. We won't forget. <laughs> right. Well, Michael, you and I, by the end of this podcast, we will have um, 
the people that we'd have tattooed on our bodies. Is that all right with you? Yeah. Well, bloody hell, a bit of There's, pressure here. <laughs> <from Michigan. laughs> There's no fight. Like, we're not going to make you do it after the recording. So it's, <laughs> it's, 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 purely, it's purely theoretical. Okay, mate. All right, I'll have a think about it. Aside from the pressure of that, Michael, how are you, love? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Everything's good. Just sort of finished up playing last the end of last season. So on to sort of the next stage of, you know, into the coaching now. I'm a sister manager at Notts County. So a lot of change sort of in my life. But, you know, enjoying it and looking forward to the next stage of, you know, football and, and learning again, something totally different. And how how have you found that transition? Yeah, it's been it's been different, you know. I've done obviously all my coaching badges and things like that, but I don't think anything really prepares you until you're in that situation and you're in meetings and things like that every day. It's totally different, but it's been really enjoyable. I'm enjoying it, and uh, it's been great. You've you said you've just finished playing, right? That's yeah, that's yeah. some going for an old man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pulling your leg, mate. I'm a year behind Don't you. Don't take that from him, <laughs> Michael. I was pr- proud, proud of it. You know, 40. I finished played until wow. I was sort of 40. It's uh, amazing. It was Absolutely great. Amazing. I really enjoyed it. It's obviously it's different as a player when you start dropping down through the divisions, but really enjoyed it and uh, played with some great young players that will want to have good careers and that. And hopefully, you could sort of had an effect on them in your later years and. You know, I, I appreciated them more than they appreciated me in a sense because when you get a bit older, you don't have the legs like you used to. So <laughs> when you get good young players around, you do a lot of running and that for you. So it's great, you know. Throughout that sort of later twilight period of your career, did you have one eye on coaching? Is that what you wanted to do? Yeah, all, all the way through I did. Um, all the way through my career, I was always, you know, I knew when I finished playing, I wanted to go into coaching. But at the same time, I wasn't actively out coaching you know, in the week teams and things like that, which a lot of people do. But I kind of tended that I wanted just to prepare myself, always be ready to play and recovering and that at home. So it wasn't one of these that I was out coaching from the age of 28, you know, twice a week and things like that. I kind of probably last five, six years of my career, I started coaching once, twice a week. And, you know, I obviously focused on, I wanted to play up till I was 40. I'd always had that sort of target in my head that I wanted to play as wow. long as I could, in a sense. Mm. And Amazing. So I kind of worked out, worked out really well for me in the end, you know? That's brilliant. We yeah. had Michael Bridges on recently, Michael, and he was talking about how his experiences as a player have helped him as a coach. What are the standout things for you, the things that you have sort of taken from your playing career moving forward? It's, I think it's 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 difficult. Obviously, everybody looks at it differently. Like you, I think the thing is, for me, all the managers and that, you've been very fortunate enough to play for. You obviously learn learn a lot from them, how they played, how they went about things. And then players you played with, you know, just knowing the type of characters they are. And then as you come into coaching, you kind of see similarities between some players and, and how they, you you seen them when you played with them and how you kind of dealt with them and things like that. So... There is loads I've learned as a player that going into coaching now, but every every I think with coaching and things like that, it throws something different at you every day. And <laughs> I suppose you're learning all the time again. As I say, it's like starting out playing again when you're a young player. You're you're probably a little bit naive, but you know every day you're learning. But you're learning twice as hard because you're a bit more mature and older. So you probably grasp things a lot better than when you were a young player. You know. And how how much are you involved with with um? The stuff off the pitch, because obviously, you know, you're in and around the players and have been for a long, long time and all that stuff you can, you can pick up a little bit on the job, but the stuff off the pitch, like 
the, the backroom stuff, working with the the businessmen, the executives, is that like completely left field for you, or is that something you're having to learn as you go? Yeah, definitely, just learning as you go along. I mean, at the club we're at now, like any decent club now, they've got recruitment teams and things like that. So they're constantly kind of with the manager and and things, and you know, obviously he's privy to everything, but. I'm the assistant, so he, he's been very good and, and letting me, you know, be involved in a lot of things that he can. So it's been brilliant, like recommending players and going through all the recruitment team and stuff like that. It's been really good and enjoyable. And it's, uh, you know, I, I do think the game's changed the last five years with um, with everything with recruitment and things like that. And it's quite fascinating, especially at the club where we're at now. To, quite into what they like to do and it's been great learning experience for me do you feel like it's changed for the better michael or that it's just different listen i don't think anything i'm sure bex will say and he's probably said it many times he's retired now there's nothing better than playing and mm. you know preparing yourself as a player all week to play and and go out like there's still no feeling like it but you know for me i, I wanted to stay involved in the game whether it was coaching as i say scouting or whatever and uh I've been very fortunate once I stopped playing to get this opportunity to be assistant manager at the club that I'm at. So um, it's been great. I absolutely love it. But, you know, don't get me wrong. You, you do as a player. There's always that player inside you. You want to play, especially when you're watching games and things mm. like that. And there's nothing better with the, with the crowd. And, you know, when, when a goal goes in, you've worked hard all week. That celebration, there's Becks on no better than anybody with the amount of goals you score. But <laughs> as a teammate and celebrating, it's, it's brilliant. There's nothing like it. Is it is it quite hard to detach the player sometimes? Because I, I I can imagine sort of from the sidelines you're sort of there kicking every ball, sort of living vicariously sometimes through the lads, and and you probably maybe in training sometimes like no, not like that, do it like this, and like you want to like kick it for <laughs> them. Is it sometimes quite hard to detach the player from the coach? Not not really, to be honest with you. You know, it's it's kind of the way I look at it is you know you're trying to help people and and help them become better players and give them as much information as you can. And obviously for myself starting out, all the experiences that you've had, if you can help people, so you know so far you you know we're great bunch of lads and they're all young hungry they want to kick on and do well for themselves so being very fortunate there's a good group of players so it's it's not being frustrating you know it's been great just helping them along as i work with a great manager and good he's very good coach so i mean the learning i've had the last six months been absolutely brilliant for me you know so i'm just grasping it every minute and i think the days are probably getting on and nailing players and and getting after them it's it's gone you know players don't respond to it anymore right. you'll soon lose their respect and uh, they don't listen to you and it's it's probably not the it's it's certainly not the way people want to want to be coached or learn anymore you know and Michael, yeah. at this stage in your life and where you're at now, how do you reflect on your time at Ellen Road? Ah, it was brilliant amazing uh what a great time absolutely loved it um very fortunate, you know, to play for a club as big as Leeds United is. Uh, I knew at the time when I was going there, there was a there was a bit of talk for probably six months building up before I went there. That I remember watching the game against Millwall when they lost in the playoffs at Ellen Road, and I knew there was a chance at that stage of me going there. Um, and I remember watching the game, and I was, I kind of. You know, I just felt like I'd love to go there. Like, obviously, the stadium, the fan base, it speaks for itself. So, I remember watching, I think, and when they lost in the playoffs, thinking, you know, I'd love to go there. I feel like I could bring something to that team because they were they were an absolutely brilliant young side. And um, 
I was excited to try and get there and very fortunate I got there the day two days before the season started against uh, the following season um, so it was just a brilliant opportunity I think at that stage I was I was fairly experienced I think it was 28 but I knew like Leeds United where it was going like you know it was only a matter of time before it got back to where it is now probably a bit longer than people uh, anticipated but it's just great to be a part of it for the year absolutely loved it and played with some great great lads and uh, one of the best sort of team spirits in a sense that I played in that season they were just great great people you know we've, we've had some some wonderful Irish players over the years and and off the back of that we've had a pretty decent fan base in Ireland um did you do you notice that even when we're in we're in League One you know back home was there still quite a lot of Leeds fans oh honest to God there were so many Leeds fans uh my brothers, friends are all Leeds fans who are over every other week. Like they're, they're still, you know, unfortunately lost my dad a couple of weeks ago. Oh, and, uh, sorry, sorry to hear that. And, man. you know, but there was a lot of lads that were Leeds fans up there at the funeral and the wake and things like that. It was absolutely lovely to see them all. And, uh, you know, still asking me for jerseys and things like that. But they're still <laughs> here. They were there in League One and... Uh, yeah. They're still there now and it's absolutely brilliant, you know. Yeah. I just think when big clubs, when they go down, you really see what they're all about. I think like the clubs, the fans just galvanise them. They just, when they go, the lower they go, the bigger they get. That's what I always say with your leads. And I had it when I went to Coventry and Portsmouth. They just, the fan base is just so passionate and they get behind their teams even more because they're so desperate for their clubs to survive and kick back on. It's a, it's a, it was a brilliant experience, as I say, to be there and, I mean, majority of games we went to, it was just, you know, it was you would have been used to it, Bex, but it was just took over. Three sides of every ground was took over by Leeds United fans. It was amazing. The thing is, you never you never fully get used to it, though, Doyla. That's the thing. So even, I was at the club for four and a half years, but every single time walking out of the tunnel at Ellen Road was still a new experience for me. It was still one of those moments of just pure adulation and and just I'm I'm in awe of what's going on around me I'm in awe of the the sound that's coming out of the fans uh, mouths I'm in awe of the the streamers and the toilet roll and everything that's getting thrown <laughs> down onto the field and ju- just the energy that the, the crowd gave us it it never ever got to a point where you got used to it so yeah I, everything you're saying there mate it, it just hit an it hit a nerve and I loved it Absolutely loved it. Yeah, that's amazing. There's not, not nothing better as a as a player, you know. I think, especially it's hard when clubs go lower down because the jersey become, for a lot of players the jersey can become too big for them. And what it is, it's just the expectations from the fans, the demands, the pressure. And as I say, I was I was very lucky. I think I added something to that team, but it was just brilliant to play with people like Bex and Beckio and Snodgrass, House and. Some of the best players I ever played, honestly, were in that team. They're just mm. and and to top it off, like I genuinely mean, you're just the best people, you know, snotty people like Bex. I used to get on great with Bex and set beside him and all the coach trips and that. But just some characters, Johnny House and the way he went about his business every day as a young player. He was just a so professional, he was just wasn't he? Professional and mm. like it was just brilliant to be around them. And as I say. They, they, as I said, well, basically what I'm saying is they could handle wearing that jersey, and right. for the four six months of that season, we were, we were absolutely brilliant, and 
probably the worst thing that happened to us was we went to Old Trafford and won and we couldn't win a game <laughs> after that then. Yeah. <laughs> it's bloody fault, wasn't it? He <laughs> <laughs> scraped over the line. It was... Uh, well, this guy... <laughs> you, you made a good point there about, about filling the shirt and, and, you know, we saw that a lot over the years. But particularly that season, the season before, with all the, you know, the points deductions that we'd, we'd suffered and it felt there was a, a, a grave injustice going on amongst the fan base. And and I and I always get the impression, I've tried to speak to you about this, Bex, before, like, that that really galvanised everyone on the pitch and all the players so that the fans, um, re- I mean, they always get behind the players, but there's something about those seasons where everyone was all just pushing in the same direction. And I felt, I, w- I was wondering if there was slightly less pressure on you guys on, on the field a little bit, because everyone just, we all, even though you even came in on loan, everyone just was so angry at everyone else all we had was each other and it was just Less like we're all pressure. gonna do we're gonna do this well i'm curious Less i don't pressure. know that's why i'm asking was there i personally think it was just a, a pro- i don't know if i felt like that but i just felt like going in there i was playing with good players great players and you know a lot of them players were they went on to have unbelievable careers and when i was going in there i could see like the becks and uh, snodgrass bradley johnson house and they were all destined to go higher you know it's just where our leads went with them uh and uh as i say it probably looked like less pressure but there was, listen we knew we were on that i know for that season we expected to get promoted and we wanted to get promoted so there was massive amount of pressure and when as i say when you're playing in ellen road in front of 28 29 000 every week and then traveling to stockport and you're taking four thousand fans there it, it, it carries massive pressure because it don't get me wrong that four six months of the season it was unbelievable we were we were winning every week. We were, you know, the crowd were right behind us. But don't get me wrong, on the other side of it, when we did start losing and stuff like that, the pressure was through the roof, you know. And right. There was a lot of fans and they're brilliant fans and rightly so, but they weren't shy and letting you know on the pitch. <laughs> they, the no, they, they did. They wanted to win. They were sick of being in League One and it, it came onto the pitch and sometimes it was tough, but you had to just deal with that as a player. So we were under massive pressure, but I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as well as a group, you know. Mm. Speaking of that pressure, there's there's few occasions that I've felt the the cauldron of Ellen Road bubble to the to the levels it did in that final game, the the Bristol Rovers game, and we went one nil down, and you surely must have felt it because I was in the crowd that day and it was it was it was tense as hell. But you you know the pair of you, you know you you came through it. What? I'd like you to, to both together talk us through like that game and, and maybe mention, you know, Max Gradle moment. I know you were both involved <laughs> with that. Um, so just I just want to hear from your perspectives what that game played out like because I've got my experience in the stands, but I'd love to know what it was for you guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, just like, you know, it was probably one of the, it was like, like I'll be honest with you, the, the best way of describing it, it was like Roy the Rovers. I really mean that in a sense of, <laughs> You know, to go down to 10 men, the last game of the season, we had to win to guarantee automatic promotion. Um, and then Max gets sent off and say, to go 1 0 down, you just you couldn't write it. But that was Leeds United for me, in a sense. Cause <laughs> yeah, it's really for me as well. <laughs> you know, what I mean by that was like when we needed that crowd more, like there was 42,000 there that day, that place just erupted second half when we went the goal down. 
because I remember thinking if we end up in the playoffs, like we ain't going up because we were so out of form. We were, mm. we, we really fell off. Like we should have won that league. And as I genuinely mean, after that Old Trafford game, a lot of players came in on loan. The squad became massive and they started chopping and changing. We fell out of form. It was like we crawled over the line. We went down to chart on the week before and we should have won a chart and we lost one. We were drawn nil all. And to be fair to Simon, the word came in, I think, with 15 minutes to go that if we beat Charlton, uh, we'd go up. And he made a few attacking changes. We ended up losing the game 1-0, but it didn't affect us. We still had it in our own hands going back to Ellen Road the following week. And we were so up for the game. We built up all season. We were so worked up. And then, you know, we felt really confident. And then Max, Max, you know, uh, to be fair, he had a moment and... It ju- it just happens in football and and it cost us and he was devastated. I, like the kid was in tears. He was a brilliant lad. He he was the hardest worker out of everybody there. And you know, to be fair to the lads, have absolutely pulled them out. You know, because I think he'd be he'd have been lynched after the game. And, <laughs> yeah, but as I say, just yeah, we went one 0 down. I remember at the start of the second half, Daryl Duffy I think scored for Bristol Rovers, broke down the left and and scored. And you're thinking bloody hell, but. Just something changed. The minute they scored, something changed in the stadium. The just place just erupted. And I'll never forget it when we got that first goal, just like genuinely mean it. Me and Neil Kilkenny were just celebrating. Our bloody tears coming out of my eyes. I just feel it. Like it, just, it did. It just meant that much. And it's um, and then Bex goes and scores. It was just it was, it was just unbelievable. It was an unbelievable day. Johnny and Bex, like, as I say, Johnny, Johnny had the disappointment. He was probably... You know, player of the season, him, Snoddy. They were probably Definitely. two of our best players that year and two of our biggest players up there with Bex. And they got left out the last game of the season. That's how out of form we were as a team. People like that had been mainstays in the team and they got left out, which would have been a massive disappointment for Snoddy and uh, Johnny. But both lads came on when we needed them the most and they changed the game for us both. And just the game changed and them two came on. And as I say, fortunately for us, Johnny pulls out an absolute worldie and Beck Beck scores uh, scores as well and um you know you just felt a two one that's it what air and it was, it was as I say it's probably it was a special moment to do it like that down to ten men it was it was it was a lot of pressure as they say you know you said we were under no pressure that year but. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, at that point, I'll, I'll, I'll resign to the fact there was a bit of pressure on that game. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, you obviously speak highly of Jermaine, but what was he like to play with and as a character as well? well I think there's always that perception of Jermaine on the pitch, like that, like, uh, you know, a little bit. See it, arrogant. A little bit, uh, See it. probably yeah, a bit arrogant and poor of himself <laughs> and, and things like that, you know, but. Striker, isn't it? I have to say, he was absolutely, and I don't just say, he was, he was, he was just a great teammate, just a great person, treated everybody brilliant, uh, couldn't do enough for people uh, in around the dressing room. He was just, just the way he is when you see him on telly, always smiling, you know. I never smile. This is this is just my face. <laughs> yeah. But as I say, some people get perceptions of, you know, they see people on a football pitch and, you know, people probably see me on a football pitch and think, ah, oh, he's this and he's that. And it's just, but then you go and meet and you think this fella's a great guy and that's that was Jermaine's I say he was a great teammate and uh, he done absolutely brilliant for Leeds and he got a great move off the, the back of it to Everton and it was uh, was well deserved as I say. But as a as a player on the pitch with Jermaine, he was he could go long periods with doing nothing and then 
the ball would fall to him when you needed him the most and he pulled something out and still you know, at this podcast to be honest preserving <laughs> my energy for that counts that, that was it he, he, you know he'd have games where he'd be quiet but he was just prolific like one of the best finishers I played but as I say him and oh, Johnny House and after playing and some of the finishing you used to see out of the two of them was like left and right foot was brilliant yeah that was one of my favourite things as well in training because I knew I had players like Johnny House Brad Johnson always used to stay afterwards he he, he he was one of those players that had to keep on practicing his finishing. Um, Luciano <laughs> <laughs> was um, always out there practicing his finishing. And we used to, as attacking players, have little comps, Max Gradle as well. For every, um, we, we'd go rounds. So for every round we'd, we'd play, it would be a fiver per round. So if you won that round, the other three would give you a fiver. So you're 15 quid up. I don't promote gambling. I do not promote gambling. <laughs> I'm just saying. But this is one of the ways that we we try to push each other and become that that little bit more clinical in front of goal. Is that how you bought that big house? <laughs> no comment. Yeah. So um, one of the things, <laughs> what Doyle was saying earlier about um, having those those perceptions, preconceived ideas of of people before you you've met them, you see the the way they um, set themselves up on the football field. I was exactly the same when I saw Doyle had signed. I was thinking to myself oh my God, I hope he's on my team in training because the last thing I want <laughs> is to get smashed on a Thursday, Friday before a game um, because he, he doesn't hold back. But again, one of the mo- one of the most nicest, politest, kindest, caring people in football. Absolutely amazing. And that's why we got on so, so well. Like, I've got nothing but but good things to say about him. I, I've I flipping love you, Doyla. I miss you, man. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. This is a lovely thing, guys. But do you know I like what? it. Um, Doyla touched on it before as well. You know the the squad we had, all of the the um the different personalities just clicked. You know, we didn't have any bad eggs. Nobody was was um a bad influence on anybody else. We just we just worked so so well as a unit. And I think that's that's one of the reasons as well why we uh, we managed to um, get as far as we did and become a, uh, become successful in that season to get out of that that league, especially after going through difficult periods, because we knew we all had each other's backs, regardless of what was going on outside. We we had so much time uh, and and affection for each other. It was only going to end a positive way. It was amazing. I think I think the thing is for me, like probably I keep mentioning Johnny and Snoddy and Bex and people like that, you know, but probably the best team mate, out of all the lads there. And it was boy, it was just like taught me so much. And it was Casper Ankergen. Like Casper was just, he was just the best fella, like in a sense, he yeah. typified everything what the team was about. And Casper started off the season and going, and he lost his place. And, but I'll tell you what, like just the support he gave the team every single week. He was in the dressing room before the game, after the game, come on boys. And he would have been the most disappointed, I'd say, because he trained so hard all week mm. and he'd had a spell at Leeds where he played week in, week out for a long time. And then he was out with the team. But I'll tell you what, he just typified everything what a footballer should be and teammate, the way he trained, the way he went in and supported all his teammates. Like every single game, you'd see him in there at halftime telling lads, like, try this, look at this, because he was watching the game and wow. he was constantly giving the information. And it was people like him that probably, you know, typified what the team was all about. Like, as I say, because yeah. he didn't play anywhere near as much as he would have liked it, but he was just the ultimate teammate. And he was there. Uh, that was like, he was like one of a number of lads that were just, just all pushing for each other, as I say. And 
you look at where the club is now, obviously that team, it's it's probably not as held in high regard, but probably played a part in the start of the journey to the where it is now. And it's amazing. I think everybody knew where Leeds was eventually going to go, but I think it's probably exceeded everybody now with the manager they have, the ownership they have. It's just absolutely brilliant to see them, you know, where they are, you know, where they belong. It certainly is. Michael Doyle, so. thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Good luck, everybody. Thank you very much for having me. And you, man. Good luck. That was really nice. Thanks, mate. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. Take care, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, lad. See you later. A little trip down memory lane. That was nice. Oh, that was lovely. Yeah. It was like, um, what was it Davina Cole that did that show when families got reunited? What was it? It was like you two were like finding (laughs) each other again. It was lovely. I I know what you're talking about. I don't know the name of it. Right, hang on. Davina McCall reunites families. Who's your daddy? <laughs> with Davina McCall. Yeah, that's, is that your past um, internet history? No, who's yeah, your daddy with, yeah. Davina, with Davina McCall specifically? Yeah. Oh my God, we, did, we didn't get his tattoo. Oh, we didn't get Michael Gore's oh, tattoo. That's why he got off so quickly. Yeah, in it, it was scarper. I'll tell you what, we'll throw it out to you then. Tell us what Jermaine, Matt and Michael should all get tattooed and we'll read them out on next week's pod. How about that, lads, eh? Well, yeah, because we don't need Emma's because she's going to give us hers right now. Uh, yeah, I actually have got mine. Dolly Parton. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good Nine one. Because then, yeah, like, if okay. anyone says, why is that? I can make up some story about how we're, like, loosely related or something. <laughs> have you been to uh, Dollywood? I haven't been to Dollywood. I'm desperate to go to... Have you been? I haven't. I've got I've got some friends who've been who... I mean, one guy goes every year, but I kind of I kind of fancy it a little bit. Will you do, like, um, a Leeds United podcast, like, FaceTime if you do go so we can come around <laughs> with you Dollywood. What on earth am I hearing here? Are you two for real? Is this a serious <laughs> conversation now? That is What's quite clearly... On? the mashup that Leeds fans have always wanted. <laughs> LUFC podcast live from Dollywood. We obviously know oh that's got to happen now, don't we, lads? So, <laughs> um, so yeah, let us know. What should Jermaine, Matt and Michael have tattooed? Who should they have tattooed on them? We'll read them out next week. Use the hashtag LUFC pod. And hopefully we'll have some football to talk about so it stops all this nonsense. Lads, thank you so much. Have a belter, won't you? See you next week. Defo to lose. Peace. We are-